0: I'm Jock Wilson and I'm Dave Rowe and welcome to another edition of the Calgary Stampeder podcast. Jocko, last time out, we were cruel to the people. We made them relive the F Troop era of the early 2000s, brought back a whole lot of bad, bad memories. This time we give the people what they deserve. We are taking you from the depths of hell to the heights of glory and we are looking
1: at uh, what's generally considered the best Rams team of all time. Well, you know, we're not going to go all the way back to 1948 because that team was undefeated. That team won a great cup championship. But were you around in 1948? Uh no, I was not. I was not around in 1948 <laughs> as well, and it's so tough to compare eras, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
0: Oh, exactly. You I know. mean, it's an entirely it's an entirely different game. You know, just look at the photos of the equipment the guys <laughs> exactly. were wearing. The football looks somewhat familiar but the uh, game itself it's uh, you you can't really compare and you know so we're going to go with the
1: era that we know best that's exactly right and that takes us back to 1992 it was a 21 year drought for the Calgary Stampeders they hadn't won a championship Doug Flutie was in town and the Calgary Stampeders Put together a team that may just go down in history as the best team ever. And 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 I'm I'm looking at comparables, Dave, and I'm thinking that 2014 team with Bo Levi Mitchell again some very good Canadian talent, some very good receivers, a very good defense. You know, that team won fifteen games more than the nineteen ninety-two team. They yep. also won a championship. But boy, I, I still think that nineteen ninety-two team probably has to be considered the best.
0: I think when you look at sheer star power on that team with Doug Flutie and the crew around Mm -hmm. him, the guys like uh, Alan Pitts, Dave Sapungis, some of the big uh, stars that they had on defense with that team, uh, Junior Thurman and Will Johnson, I think on balance you have to look at it. Also, maybe just the the fact that the Stampeders were really coming out of the wilderness. That was shortly after I arrived in Calgary. Wally and I arrived at about the same time, uh, one coming with a little more fanfare than the the (laughs) other. But uh, things really turned around for the Calgary. Calgary Stampeters, and then it all came together.
1: Well, and I guess we can ask the question too here on the Calgary Stampeder podcast: uh, Who's the best player in uh, Stampeder history? Is it Doug Flutie? His time was short here in Calgary, but I think most people would say he was the most dynamic. He was the best player, Hall of Famer. I I know a lot of the old timers would probably say Wayne Harris because he had a long tenure with this football club. You know, sixty-one to seventy-two. He could probably go into the equation as the best ever too. But I, I tell you what, I was too young for Wayne Harris but I do remember Doug Flutie. He was dynamic.
0: He was dynamic. He was incredible to watch. The only thing that uh, I'd say works against Doug Flutie if you're doing an all-time stampeder list is that his Mm -hmm. tenure here was relatively short. He had a great Canadian Football League career when you tie it all together. But if you're looking at best Calgary stampeder of all time, I would still say Alan Pitts takes really? some beating Alan Pitts was around wow. for a long time and you know he did so many great things with the football uh again a bit of a you know a, a bit of an interesting character off the field but uh, on the field the guy it made a lot of magic
1: well Alan Pitts was part of that 1992 team and so was our outstanding color analyst here on the home of the Calgary Stan Greg Peterson it was his final year in the Canadian Football League he hung around for one extra year because he wanted to win a championship. and and I had a chance to sit down with Greg. Real pleasure on our Calgary Stampede podcast to be joined by our outstanding color analyst, Greg Peterson, a longtime member of not only the Calgary Stampeders, but of course of our broadcast team as well. He was a member of the 1992 Grey Cup champion. Some people, some fans will say that was the best ever team to suit up in a Calgary Stampede red and white jersey. Mr. Greg Peterson, what do you think? Was that the best ever I agree team? with that.
2: I definitely think that uh, we have to be up there. That 1992 team did uh, has so many unique things about it. We were the first team in 21 years to win the Grey Cup. The city of Calgary was starving for uh, someone to overtake the dreaded Emmons and Eskimos. We finally did it. We were first place. We had a great record, 13-5. and five. The year before, in 91, we, of course, went to the Grey Cup and lost in a real upset, but we went back the next year fully in focused and to win the great cup, picked up Doug Flutie as the quarterback. I'm willing to argue with anybody that uh, that was one of the better. Uh, stampeder
1: teams of all time. You know, it's interesting, and I'm not even going to go down the 1948 path, because I wasn't around, you weren't around either, and that was a, a 12-0 and team, and they win a Grey Cup championship. You know, good on them, because when you go undefeated and win a Grey Cup championship, uh, it's tough to argue that that may be the best uh, team ever in, in Stampeder history, but uh, I'm going to keep it more to the modern era, I think, Greg. And and, and the only team for me that might come close to that 1992 team, because I was around in Calgary at the time, was, was the 2014 great cup champions you know Bo Levi Mitchell a young Bo Levi, Bo Levi Mitchell you know John Cornish an excellent Canadian running back most outstanding player in the Canadian football league interesting their number one draft pick that year was Pierre Laverture just like your team in 92 number one draft pick was uh, was Bruce Coverington. Bruce Coverington you know so I look at the receivers of the 2014 team you know Price Rogers West Parker a uh, pretty darn impressive but of course uh, you know the 92 the team had some very very good receivers uh, as well as well with Alan Pitts and Derek Crawford and, you know, Sponge from that standpoint. So, uh, would there be a comparable with that 2014 team? I know you were doing the broadcast.
2: I think the 2014 team was um, very good, but I don't think anybody had more Canadian talent like we had on that 92 team. We played every game, uh, two less internationals, because we didn't need them. We, We started most of our year with four Canadian defensive linemen. We would start Stu Laird, Kent Warnock, Shrekos, Zizekovic, and Harold Hasselback.
1: Will Johnson,
2: of course, was, was in there, and he was a, you know, eventually went on to be a, an all-star in the Hall of Fame. But we, we sometimes would start four Canadian D-lines. How many times do you see that ever? And, you know, people say, oh, that was a different era. But you didn't see it back in that era as well. No. As a matter of fact, we started six Canadians on defense. You don't see that. So the 2014 team had a lot of power. But what we had in 92 that was probably a lot different than the 2014 team is we had a team that was full with veterans of guys that were starving to win a cup, were focused with, I think, some of the best Canadian talent any Stampeder team has ever seen.
1: That is pretty impressive when you, when you put it that way, because defensively you have four in the defensive line. You've got, obviously, Matt Finley, uh, you know, as, mm-hmm. uh, as, as a linebacker, and then yourself at, at that safety position. Uh, th- that is unheard of. Like, you just I, – I don't know. Has there ever been a time – I'm off no, the top of my no. head, I can't think of a time where, you know, that many Canadians have been, have been a factor on defense? No, there
2: hasn't. And, you know, what people said – people might say, okay, well, that was back in 1992 – People maybe did that back then. No, they didn't. Uh, number one is they always started as many Americans as they could. Well, we didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just too talented on the Canadian aspect of it. Uh, number two is no, most of the teams back then didn't do that. We had just so many good Canadians on defense, and that, that you know that opened up to other positions that we really we still started five Canadian offensive liners. Um So you know we could have put Americans elsewhere, but they the Canadians were better. And that's just, so that, that team really, as I indicated, you could not match the Canadian talent. And of course, another reason that I think we, I could argue, Bo Levi at at 2014 was coming into his own, but I I still think that Doug Flutie is the best quarterback that's ever played in the CFL. that has to be another factor that sways in my,
1: thinking quite a bit. No, I, and, and I'm okay with that because that 92 team, you know, scored 607 points and, you know, that's almost 34 a game. That's that's pretty impressive. Defensively, he gave up 430 points. Uh, that's about 23 a game. So, yeah, right up there, it's going to be good. And how many All-Stars you have on that team? Doug Flutie, Alan Pitts, Rocco Romano, Will Johnson, Junior Thurman, Daryl Hall, you know, they were all CFL uh, All-Stars. Oh, yeah. And and the other guy, I, I, I wanted to ask you this question because I, I remember Harold Hasselback and, of course, he was born... Mm-hmm. Born in Amsterdam, but he came and win a gray, uh, won a great, won a great Cup championship, and then he left after that '92 team, and and he went to the NFL and won a couple of Super Bowl championships, and, and I thought that was pretty impressive. So he he was a heck of a player, wasn't he?
2: He was a physical specimen. We called him test tube because they did this on the air. They took all the best genes of the world, shook <laughs> him into a test tube, and out came Harold Hasselback. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was just a physical specimen. He was six foot five, two hundred 65, 70 pounds, ran a 4 forty. I, I remember the year I retired in 92. I came back in 91 after we lost the Great Cup for one reason. I wanted to win a Great Cup. right? And I knew that we were going to have a good team. And then after 92, we won the Cup, and I retired. And uh, so the next year, I was a practicing lawyer, young one, and Harold asked, asked me to be his um, or his, his Agent and, and his lawyer to get him out of his contract, which I had to argue with Wally about that, and I got him out of the contract. And then Marshall Toner and I, my RX team, Mike Marshall, we, we were his agents to get him down in the States. We were called, people heard that Harold he had to tell him to stop doing bench press at 45, 50 times, which back then was just unheard of. So after he'd signed with Denver, we would have from the team's call and say, I want to work out your guy, Harold Housenbach. And I go, well, he just signed with Denver. And I go, dang, I wanted to see that. We are going to bring him in just to see him test. So, <laughs> That's the type of physical specimen that Harold was. <laughs> did,
1: did, did he get a good, you don't have to share numbers, but did he get a good contract?
2: Well, he got a, you know, it's tough to get a good contract. He, he got, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what he got. He, he got hundred grand to sign. He okay. signed for, you know, three, four hundred, which is, of course, big numbers, but wasn't like those guys were making, you know, the big-time guys were right. making millions of dollars. And Merrill had to go prove himself. And then he did a great job, made the, the Denver Broncos, and yeah, I was part of two Super Bowl teams.
1: <laughs> well, hey, he did okay from that standpoint. He did okay. He was a big part of it. thanks for sharing that uh, story. Test tube. Okay, I'm going to have to remember that one uh, for when we're down the road. Hey, what happened with that 92 team in the Western Final? Because that was a squeaker. You guys almost lost that Western Final.
2: We did. Um, you know what? We still had a little bit of that psychological thing with Edmonton, and Edmonton had a good football team. And we outplayed them, but we just turned over the ball, and it didn't bounce our way. But so we're down, of course, and we had to come up with a big stop on defense. We did, and Fluty comes on the field, and um, I remember him coming on the field, and Stu—I was with with Stu Laird on the sidelines, and and you could just tell by his demeanor that he thought he was going to take the team down. And win the game and marched them down. And, of course, won the game going across the, the goal line with that uh, one shoe, which has kind of become a famous play. But that, that was just our team. Um, they were good football teams. And Edmonton was at the tail end of some very good years. We beat them in 91. And they were still a very good football team. They were really projected to come back and beat us in 92. But we took first place. And it was good we did. And, you know, that, that was a year where I think the layoff kind of hurt us. Uh, because we got 2 weeks off and we came out that first quarter
1: a little bit rusty. Okay. Okay. It happens and hey, you still got to play the games. You can come in as the favorite. As as we've seen with the Calgary Stampeders in recent years, you know, they come in as a big favorite and and it's it's sometimes tough to close the deal, isn't it, Greg?
2: It really is. And you know what? There there's a couple of Stampeders teams that I would say if they'd won the Great Cup, they would be the all-time greatest Stampeders team. Which one? You can't pick. Well, last year, maybe in the year before. Yeah. But you can't be regarded as the greatest team if you don't win the Great Cup. I, I agree. I don't care if you go sixteen and zero, you've got to win the Great Cup.
1: I, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. You got to finish.
2: Yeah, you got to finish. So even though those teams were, you know, some of those teams what was the one. You know, a couple of years ago we were sixteen and or fifteen and three or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a pretty good record. Even though we were thirteen and five, but unless you win the Great Cup, it all is to naught. You've got to win that final game. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, who's a better coach, Wally Buono or uh, John Huffnagel He won in 2014.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not going to defend <laughs> either of them. They're both different coaches. They're both great, and they're they're both different in their own. I mean, you got Wally. Uh, you know, known as most wins of all time. But in for a St. I think that John Huffnagel can has even overtaken Wally just for St. Peter. What he's done with the St. Peters, but both great coaches. And by the way. We had great coaches as well. That's another thing a good team has. John Huffago was our offensive coordinator.
1: That's right. And that's then we that's had right.
2: uh, Don Southern, and we had Tom Higgins. And, you know, you have to have very good coaches. So we had, we had... That's not to say the other teams were compared to didn't have good coaches, but we had very, very good
1: coaching there. Well, you're right because you can compare the Wally Buono era in Calgary, which was dynamic and, of course, uh, winning so many games, and the John Huffnagel era that continues here in Calgary. You know, Stampeder fans have been spoiled with those two eras. Yes, there were some blips in between, uh, but boy, these two eras under these two gentlemen, fantastic. There's no other way to put it.
2: No other way to put it. It's a little bit uh, you know, it's hindsight is hindsight and you can't cry over spilled milk, but the Stampeders over the last 10 years should have probably had three, four, five mm-hmm. Great Cups. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, e- e- even the year Wally like Bono year, they, were, they got into more Great Cups. The year after we reti- I retired, 1993, they had a great team and they were projected to win the Great Cup and, of course, lost in Calgary in that Frozen game that Flutie didn't wear his gloves, but you know that could have gone down in history as the greatest team. Right. But they lost that game and they were out.
1: The rest is history, as they say. Mister <laughs> Peterson, we're out of time. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us on the Calgary Stampeder podcast.
2: Yeah, it was a pleasure,
1: Jack. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mike Peterson joining us here on the Calgary Stampeder podcast. And uh, you made a great point as you were listening to that. Uh, you love the Harold Hasselback story.
0: Yeah, because there's so many big names from that team. You almost forget about a guy like Harold Hasselback. He wasn't around long, but uh, impact player, I mean, physically,
1: impact. Oh. The guy was just out there just beating up people. And Test Tube was his nickname, yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as Greg referred to. I, and I love the fact that there were so many Canadian players, our national players as we call them now in the Canadian Football League. You have a soft spot for, for you sport players, and there were some great Canadians on that 92 team.
0: Yeah, I guess the, they were CIAU players back, uh, back the then. But yeah. Dave Sapungis uh, was a guy who just took a backseat to no one in terms of talent. I remember uh, the old days uh, sitting in the... Uh, seats in Section U, and the sponge heads were there. There was a bunch of Dave Sponges fans who had big,
1: giant sponges that they stuck on their heads every game. Well, let's have a little fun here, a little, little rapid fire. Okay. So, best coach in Stampeder history, who would it be for you?
0: I would have to go with... Uh, the winningest oh coach boy. of all time? Yeah, I would. I, I would have to go. I would have to go with Wally. I mean, it's mm. uh, it's so tough when you compare what John Huffnagel did and uh, and what Wally Buono did. They're uh, they're both pretty close. Uh, you know, both uh, won championships. Both probably
1: should have won more championships. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, you know, I, and I guess when you look at this, you you want to compare eras because is it the Wally, era, Wally Buono Wally era, I should say, from 1990 to 2002, which was very very good, or was it the the John Huffnagel era because both had great quarterbacks. Say hey, Wally had Flew. He had Garcia, yep. he had Dickinson, you know, John Huffnagel had Burris, he had, you know, Bo Levi-Mitchell. And and where is Bo Levi-Mitchell going to be when it's all said and done? So I, I think the knock on both of these eras is the fact that they haven't won as many championships as they were supposed to win. But right now, I'm sticking with the era that we're in right now, the John Huffnagel era. I just think it's been so impressive. And of course, we've been part of the broadcast team, so it's been kind of fun, too. Okay, how about the worst coach? The worst coach for me? Well, I, you know, we talked a little bit about it last week. Matt Dunnigan is right up there, but yep. no, for me, it is Coach Q. Larry Kahark, <laughs> because Larry Kahark tried to beat the crap out of me one day. I was working for uh, for Kick-FM back in the day, and I don't know what I said on the air, but I said something to piss him off. And and anyway, uh, the, the public relations guy at the time had to basically hold him back because uh, Coach Q wanted to beat me up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, well, considering the fact, too, that, you know, Matt Dunnigan was surrounded by a whole sea of craziness, and Larry Kahark was just a... A sea of craziness unto himself. So I'll give you the nod on that one.
1: Okay. Well, that uh, that sounds uh, sounds very very good. Who's the best GM in uh, Stampede history? Wally. Wally. Yeah. You're gonna go over John again. Eh? I'm
0: gonna go. I'm gonna go over uh, over John again because and well the, the only reason I am is because John Huffdale is a fantastic general manager. Where'd he learn it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well that's a good point. He, yeah. he learned it from, from Wally. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that, even though I've said the John Huffnagel era has already won. Who's the best quarterback in Stampeder history?
0: Best quarterback in Stampede history. Oh, you're gonna put me on the <laughs> spot here. <You're laughs>
1: it's it's put gotta put be Doug Flutie, but it's here. so short of a look.
0: <sighs> Yeah, that like you say, I keep going I keep going back to length of uh length of, of body of work. Mm-hmm. And I think for that reason, and a whole lot of Henry haters are still around town here, I think I'm going
1: to say Henry Burris. Henry Burris? Yeah. Wow, that one caught me off guard a little bit. I think I know where you're going with the top receiver in Stampeder history because you've already, you've already said Alan yep. Pitts, and uh, that's tough to argue.
0: Yeah, that, that's uh, again, he was just such an amazing talent on the field just to set, uh, you know,
1: when, you know records are getting broken, but whose records are getting broken? His. Yeah. Uh, best defensive player in Stampeder history, it's got to be Wayne Harris.
0: Wayne Harris, absolutely. Again, uh, a, guy, a, a guy who was before either of us but mm-hmm. when you hear the stories when you see the reverence that is mm-hmm. still held for the harris name in town you can't argue well with
1: that. all you can do is just you know for the for the younger generation out there right now just think of alex singleton probably times two because uh, you know alex singleton the impact he has made with this calgary stampeder team uh, wayne harris was having just as big of an impact if not bigger with those teams from and thumper would not approve
0: of alex singleton's hair
1: <laughs> you don't think so? I don't think so. Well, I tell you what, uh, that does it for the Calgary Stampeder Podcast uh, for this week. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like the show, please take a few minutes to rate it, and please leave a comment. If you really like the show, tell a friend, because that's important. We have a new show and a new topic every single week. Of course, you can find us at all your favorite podcast locations, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and our website as well. This is Global News Radio, 777-CHQR.